I think conspiracies are fun in movies. I don't think they're fun in the, in real life. In real all. life. <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region. No guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. There are still loose ends, witnesses. The girl, I've decided to terminate her. Terminate her. Terminate her. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Recotopia, episode 24. Today's episode is going to focus on Brian De Palma's blowout. Mm. I'm Chris Atkinson. And I'm Jeremy Scott. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And once again, we will acknowledge the uh, chat, the people from Patreon, the fine people from Patreon who are coming on to watch us live. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, hope that uh, a lot of you saw this movie and enjoyed it. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. how are you doing? How are you doing today? Yeah, everybody. How's how's your mom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, uh, I'm I'm personally doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to talk about my small recommends. I'm very excited. You should go ahead and get into one of your small recommends because everybody in the chat must have seen you do the Twitch stream on mm-hmm. this. So go mm-hmm. ahead, go for it. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. All right. So my, my first small recommend this week uh, is the video game Stray, mm-hmm. which uh, many in our live chat right now uh, were around uh, Sunday evening when I did about an hour of Twitch streaming uh, of this game. This is a game where you play as a cat, mm-hmm. um, which is, I'm surprised it took this long for a game like this, um, yeah. considering how many cat people there are in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, for those of you who did not get to watch me, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about this game. I adore this game. Um, they open you up in this kind of culvert thing where you're hiding from the rain with like three other cats and there's a little triangle interaction button on each of the cats and you walk up to them and hit the button to see what happens and they like start licking you or start playfully batting at you and then like three minutes later it tells you to curl up and take a nap and it fades to black and uh, that's like the best opening of a video game Mm. I've ever played Mm. in my life I played for nearly an hour and I still haven't gotten to anything story related or uh, task-related. Uh, I've read about the game, so I know at some point I'm going to meet a robot friend. And mm-hmm. At some point there's going to be some tasks where robots will ask me to go do something for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you played this game at my house I did. a week ago. I did. For a good hour or more. Yeah, I played it for quite some time. Um, and I went through probably three or four different pu- puzzles on that. Um and I did get to the robot friend, uh, and, uh, where nice. it, it expands the gameplay quite a bit where you can start reading signs and you can start interacting with things and, uh, you can, you have a light 
on you now mm. and all that. Um, I really had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'm going to have to get this game myself if I ever have time to play a game like this uh, ever again. Um, uh, but uh, I highly, highly enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of fun. It's available now on PS4 and PS5 as a as a digital download game. I guess in September they're going to release it on a disc. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that rollout strategy at all. But uh, and you can also get it on Steam, um, or it basically is available for Windows as well as PS4 and Five. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's well worth it. I think it's twenty nine dollars. Uh, on all those platforms, um, most video games these days are like fifty or sixty dollars. Mm -hmm. um, again, Chris has made it further in the game on my own console than I have, um, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty straightforward. Walk around as a cat. There's a dedicated meow button. Anytime you want to meow, you just hit that circle, and the cat goes meow. Mm -hmm. If you meow at the security cameras, the security cameras nod at you, like mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's just freaking delightful if you're a cat person and you play video games you have to check this game out yeah straight yeah absolutely um so uh recently criterion came out with i'm i'm doing a lot of these criterions and it's just because a lot of these have just recently come to my doorstep late lately so criterion you recently did a 4k transfer of devil in a blue dress um mm. uh carl franklin's movie that came out in i believe 1996 was it? no 95 came out in 95 um this stars denzel washington as a guy who it's just he's just come out of world war ii um he is looking for work he's got a house that he needs to pay for uh he's having a hard time finding work uh he asks uh, a local bartender if he knows any anybody and tom sizemore comes in now if you've seen any movie in the 90s with tom sizemore <laughs> in it you know that guy's probably not playing a good guy um <laughs> but sizemore has a job for him he needs denzel washington to find this woman for this politician uh who is uh running for re-election and um and he needs denzel to find her in this club because it's a black club and white people don't mix well in black clubs and uh so he goes to this he goes to this club starts asking questions people don't people don't seem to really know what he's talking about or at least pretend not to know what he's talking about um and uh, finally he runs into someone who does who does know and she's married to one of his friends and they he and his friend and his this guy's wife go back to their house the guy the husband is passed out drunk and the wife really wants to get on denzel like really mm -hmm. wants to get on denzel mm -mm. and she's even she, you know he she even tells him at one point you're hitting my spot and he goes i went on hitting his her spot till the morning and all this stuff <laughs> um uh, uh he uh he finds he gets a kind of a lead of where this woman is played by jennifer beals uh or uh, yeah, I think it's what it, he, he finds a lead there. He he leaves and he finds out later that the woman that he just had sex with got killed right after he left. So he's under suspicion for all this stuff. This is one of those twisty, turny, lot, a lot of lot of things going on in this uh, uh, type of movies that don't want to spoil for you if you've never seen it. This has. Mm. Don Cheadle, before a lot of people knew who Don Cheadle was, playing Denzel Washington's friends, uh, one of Denzel Washington's friends in this movie. Um, uh, and 
Um, it's just a uh, really, really well made. It's a movie that kind of came and went in 1995 and wasn't, uh, you know, just didn't, didn't gain any traction, but apparently criterion noticed and they said, Hey, let's, let's, let's make a, let's make a whole special disc for this. And this is a really, really well-made mystery movie and you can't go wrong with Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. Never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also would like Denzel Washington. No, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Um, <clears throat> uh, to hate I've seen this movie, but that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, good. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I remember it being great. I haven't seen it in a long time, so mm-hmm. I have to add that to the rewatch pile. Mm-hmm. Denzel is always, always good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my second recommend, and I'm, uh, again, staying away from movie recommends this week mm-hmm. uh, with both of my small recommends. I'm going to recommend uh, making your own tomato sauce. I'm going to tell you exactly how I did it. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> I like how Aaron has come up with tomato sauce as the image <laughs> good at for our pictures. live show. There it is. <laughs> there it is with the tomatoes in the background and everything. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> um, so I watched The Bear recently on Hulu. I believe it is now running on FX. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a joint production between them. Um, and uh, it's a fantastic show, but uh, in the finale, they make a they make spaghetti, and it's his brother's recipe, and it's pertinent to the plot. But you don't need to know that for now. Uh, and about uh, let's say five or six days ago, I found an article on BuzzFeed where some guy had decided to try by freeze framing that episode of The Bear on both the recipe card and the kitchen scenes where we see him prepping to try and recreate this sauce. Um, And I followed this BuzzFeed guy's recipe, and it was incredible. Mm. Uh, I may not ever buy store-bought tomato sauce again. Mm. Here's the the kicker. It's going to take you 20 to 30 minutes to heat and boil water and boil your pasta anyway. Mm -hmm. So while that's going on, you can just set up another pan and make the tomato sauce, and it doesn't cost you any time. It is a a little heavy on um, like dirtying pans and utensils and things, and you'll have to do a lot of like dishes when you're done. But Mm -hmm. basically, you throw some olive oil, garlic, and basil in a frying pan and let it go for about three minutes, four minutes, till the basil's wilting and it's crackling and sizzling. And then you just pull that off the heat and let that bitch ride. You just let it sit. Mm -hmm. And it's going to steep that olive oil with the garlic and the basil. Mm -hmm. Then you throw some butter in a Dutch oven or a big stock pot, let that melt, and as soon as it melts, you take an onion, have it down the middle, and place both halves down there, and basically you're searing the onion to the bottom of this pan with the butter. Then, after that's gone for a couple of minutes, you pour in your tomatoes. Now, the the key here, if you want to be like the bear, is to use the San Marzano tomatoes. They are only available from a very small region in Italy, uh, they are oblong tomatoes, and they are apparently of great, great taste and flavor. They mm-hmm. were the most expensive tomatoes I saw in the store, but that's what I bought anyway. Then you mash all your tomatoes down, and you just let that go. You let it simmer for 20, 25 minutes. You cover it with a lid. You leave it alone. Then when, it's, when the pasta's done, you come back, you take your basil and your garlic and your oil, and you throw that in a food processor, and you blend that all up, leave it chunky. Then you pour that directly in the tomato sauce. Take out your onions and let it go for another five minutes. 
and then throw your pasta in there, stir and eat. And I'm telling you, it is the best. It's the best tomato sauce I've ever had outside of a restaurant. You take out uh, the onions. So you yeah, just... the onions are only for flavor. Now, some people will then mince the onions or chop them up and put them in the sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already thought of a million ways to tweak this moving forward. Um, but I was just following what this guy said to do. And apparently there are, this is a, basically a combination of two classic tomato sauce preparations. Mm-hmm. The, oil, the oil, garlic, basil infusion, and then the, the onion sauce where the onions are seared at the bottom of the tomatoes. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was outrageous. It's the it's uh, kind we, of sauce that you could probably just eat out of the jar, right? Like it, you don't even need to yeah. put it on spaghetti. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even, it's not... Uh, soupy or runny. Mm. Um, it's more because you used tomatoes that you mashed up. There's bits of tomato here and there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a typical thin sauce. It's more chunky. And oh, I mm. just, I don't even like tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Same. On their own. Same. I, I, take, I pick them off of sandwiches. Uh, I get my tacos without tomatoes. But this thing was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinny, don't put too many onions in the sauce. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> yes, yes. There's, a, of course, a more famous tomato sauce on film in Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yeah. I did not uh, shave the garlic with a razor blade because I am not a, I'm not trying to hurt myself. R.I.P. Um, Paul Sorvino, by the way, too. Yeah, he just died. Yeah, yesterday. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, hit me up on Twitter if you want more details on that. Um, I will be happy to tell you about it. Um, but I continue to... Uh, just be winning every time I cook at home. Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Sheen in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I rec- highly recommend, if you've ever thought about it, taking the plunge and making your own homemade mm. tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I was in uh, Toronto over the weekend and uh, had enough time to go see Nope, Jordan Peele's new movie that came out uh, over the past weekend. And uh, I had been looking forward to this for uh, quite some time since I saw the first trailers, and I don't remember when that was. It's probably sometime last year, late last year, or something like that. But, um, but uh, but nope is is uh is one of these movies that's just constantly going to arrest your attention all the way through it. I do have some caveats here and there. Um, and I had a had a really interesting discussion with some buddies after this movie. Um. Like, it seems like possibly there's a lot of ideas that don't get developed all the way. Like, there's the idea, but does it really incorporate into the movie in a meaningful way? Mm-hmm. Uh, that type of thing. Uh, but uh, for those of you unaware, Nope is uh, uh, a movie about some ranchers who do like Holly, they do some Hollywood, uh, stunt horse type stuff, um, uh, as a side gig, I guess. Um, but it's, uh, when the, uh, there's, there's a mysterious thing that happens one day with, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and his father played by Keith David. Keith David is on top of this one horse. They're having a conversation and then something weird really happens. And, uh, Keith David dies in that scene and, uh, I won't get into all the, the details of it, but, um, but, uh, it's, uh, not too long after. And, you know, if you've seen the trailers, they, they believe, they start to believe that there is an alien presence in the area and that they need to get 
actual proof of these aliens in there so that people will believe them because as we all know if you try to take a shot of any kind of ufo there's always an explanation for it whether it be special effects or you know oh it was a frisbee that somebody threw some nonsense like that so they want to really get on top of this they hire a guy who's from some sort of Best Buy kind of uh, store to come install all these cameras around the ranch. Um, they really want help from one of the directors that they've run into, played by Michael Wincott, who a lot of people remember from The Crow. Um, mm. Michael Wincott plays this gruff director guy who who uh, who really is game for almost anything, but he isn't. Uh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to like help them out at all at first. Um, and then you have Steven Yoon, who plays a former child actor who was on a show where there was a tragic uh, incident involving a chimpanzee on set uh, that he survived and he still sort of profits from to this day. And that's probably one of the main parts of this movie that a lot of people are going to point their finger to and go, what does the chimpanzee have to do with the rest of this movie? Um, and among a lot of other things, however, you are going to be watching this movie. I, I didn't, I wasn't bored one second and that's the best thing you can say about a movie. A lot of times I wasn't bored one second. I think at the end of it, when you go in retrospect, you're going to start asking a lot of questions about what this meant and what that meant. And cause that's the way Jordan Peele is. There is some, I've heard the name M night Shyamalan thrown around a lot about Jordan Peele lately. Mm. Um, is it, does he have a lot of more style over substance sometimes? Does he, you know, does it, is it, is it one of those type of things? I don't know. This is a movie that I'm gonna have to watch again because there are a lot of things to process in this. Uh, Kiki Palmer is great in it. There was a lot of though. She was hit and she was, a. a big story over Twitter over the weekend because someone was comparing her to Zendaya and uh, all this stuff. And like, you know, people had to come out of the woodwork to say, yeah, you know, Kiki Palmer's had a career for a really long time. I remember in Aquila and the bee and all that stuff. But you know, this is, this is a great performance for her, uh, mm-hmm. um, for people who didn't know who Kiki Palmer was. Daniel Kaluuya still does his usual great, uh, work i you know i can't get enough of that guy uh wish keith david was in it more though wish keith david mm. was because i always wish keith i love david keith david so much uh but uh but this is a this is a, a very fine movie and uh and uh it'll be it'll have us talking and discussing for a while i think he's a filmmaker there are a handful of filmmakers that are in his situation where they've made a few movies that were really well regarded um, and they have rabid fan bases like i remember when the first trailer for nope dropped first of all that was an incredible trailer mm-hmm. but the comments on that trailer were all yes jordan peele is the king he can't fail and i'm just i think we we kind of set ourselves up to be disappointed all the time begin you know like worshiping the person um as opposed to their art, um, and you see this across the board. Like Taylor Swift fans are basically zombies. You got Snyder Bros. I mean, everybody who becomes a super big fan these days of of, of a creator 
becomes a super big fan of the mm. creator. Yeah. And then we don't leave any room for them to be human mm-hmm. or make a slight mistake. Um, I'll be very curious to see it because uh, he does have a lot of visual flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if the deeper meaning doesn't come across, I'm confident he has a deeper meaning, at least that he's intending. Sure. Um, just because I've seen the man talk too much about making films. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to see it. And uh, hopefully it comes to on demand soon. So and and just it. as a side note, there are a lot of things in here where you're, you're if you and, you know, we that we interpreted later that really fleshes out a lot of what's going on in this movie that, you know, and and, and if we're completely wrong. Who cares? It really enhanced the the experience to think about the movie in a certain way, and uh, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, there's 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 a lot to be had from this movie. I I I I I know I started off kind of negative on it, but overall, I really like this. So no, I, I definitely sense that you are recommending it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right, good stuff. All Making right. sure that. Make sure those people who muted can unmute now mm-hmm. in the chat. There's mm-hmm. a couple of people who just didn't want to hear anything about mm-hmm. this movie because mm-hmm. they're waiting to see it. Yep. Um, and uh, I think it's time for this week's Big Recommend. The Big Recommend. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Uh, Is uh, Brian De Palma's 1981 movie Blowout? Starring John Travolta, Nancy Allen. Um, It uh, is a movie that combines some of the elements of Michelangelo Antonioni. Try to say that fast. Michelangelo Antonioni's blow up and uh, Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Uh, in, uh, in, In the fact that someone has a recorded incident uh, of some sort that they get obsessed over. And it's usually a murder or uh, an attempted murder or something of that sort. But uh, it's, it starts off with this really campy horror movie. That is not the movie that you're about to watch. Uh, It's, it's sort of like playing, playing on the audience's expectations of De Palma himself uh a it's a um it's a steady cam shot of this killer that's stalking this sorority where the most outrageous things are happening in front of open windows <laughs> and uh and like uh looking at an interview later uh from uh De Palma later he said they were just laughing their asses off all the way through this opening cuz they kept trying to top like how much ridiculousness is going on in this one shot. <laughs> the, uh, the steady cam shot is done by the inventor of steady cam, by the way, Garrett Brown, wow. who was just off the shining when he did this shot wow. at the opening, uh, the opening, uh, scene. 
we find out that this is a, a movie that's being directed by some like independent, you know, schlocky director guy. And he has John Travolta as his sound, his sound man. And uh, the very ending of this is a woman screaming in the shower. And it's probably the worst scream you can ever hear in a horror movie. It is absolutely the worst possible scream. It's like uh, like a sound that's not even blood curdling at all um uh and uh it's his job to like hit the director and him get get into sort of a fight like a little fight where it's like i'm hearing the same sound effects i've heard in the last four movies why don't you go out and get me something real while i try to find you know find somebody to dub over this scream and everything which is apparently, according to Palma, something that actually happened with him and his sound guy when he was doing Dress to Kill, the movie just before this, uh, and a conversation he had with his sound man saying, I've heard the same wind rustling through the leaves sound on ever on the last four movies. So uh, we see Travolta getting prepared for this, and I love this opening split screen with De Palma where and we De Palma's known for these split screens at this point. This is this is a trademark thing. I love this one because it shows Travolta doing all of his stuff, like, you know, getting stuff on reels and preparing for this sound thing that he's going to do. While meanwhile, there's this new story that you need to pay attention to. And there's this Liberty Day holiday coming up, and there's an election coming up and all this stuff. It the way he does this, it marries the it marries the two things already uh, in yeah. the story. That's what I love about it so much. And it, it typically this would be you know we see this in modern films where like a random TV just happens to be on in a bar or something like that, and it tells the whole story. It's so stupid. This one is basically just saying, "Here, pay attention to this. This is going to be very important." So he goes out, and he's doing all these uh nature sounds he picks up a couple who are about to make out on a bridge he picks up a frog an owl all these different little things and then he hears this sound that pegs his sound meter and it's this car that has blown out its tire and crashes over to the bridge into the water and he goes down and saves nancy allen the uh, but the but a politician shown in that uh beginning uh, newsreel didn't make it. Um, mm. and so he is, he has actual sound recording of what happened and he believes the shit, the tire got shot out. And so the rest of this movie is him trying to prove that that tire got shot out and he's trying to find all, all the information he, he can. Of course, the powers that be want to keep it very tight lipped, uh, during the entire movie, he they don't want to know what happened because Nancy Allen being in his car means that he was cheating on his wife, and uh, that's going to be that that would they just want to protect the family and everything. Uh, meanwhile, there's also a guy hired by the opposition, played by John Lithgow, who is fucking awesome in this movie. Yeah, he is. There is a scene with John Lithgow where he is doing a sort of a panicked murderer 911 call with the most stoic face you will ever see yeah. someone doing a lot of times you'll see somebody when they're really in character or whatever they 
they have to go through all the motions and the the you know the whatever they have to be that person or whatever lithgow's got two things going on at once he's following this one guy and he, he's following uh he's following travolta and he's also trying to he's trying to get this uh He's he's trying to get a like a serial murderer thing going on so that he can kill Nancy Allen later and make it look like it's part of that. So he's on the phone. He's just like sitting there like, oh, my God, I killed somebody. And he's just got this face on him the whole time. I killed somebody. And he, uh, it was next to that, uh, that place where they're building something over there. And all that. And Lithgow's great in this. Yeah, um, anyway, uh, Blowout is just one of those movies. It's De Palma as fuck. Uh, that is a, that is a tremendous compliment. Uh, it is, uh, an absolutely fun mystery and it goes down a, a, uh, it goes, it winds up in a place where you don't really expect it to by the end. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So I wrote, what a gut punch this movie is. Yeah. Like I think any other filmmaker, 99% of other filmmakers would have ended this movie differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even this movie itself sort of suggests this is going to end well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or at least wants you to believe that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I just love how that climax is, like you were talking about the television with the Liberty thing and the politicians. So like, they, they earn that climax by foreshadowing that shit all throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. The constantly signs about the Liberty event that you see in passing and people talking about it on the radio and, um, and it just, it just feels really earned as opposed to, Oh, there's suddenly fireworks here. Like it <laughs> makes perfect sense. Right, right. Um, and I love, I love the, right before that, where he's got her in a wire and he's nearby and he realizes this is not the guy. She's mm -hmm. meeting the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. She's in danger. And he has to try and chase them with audio. Like, he can hear what's going on. He even crashes his car and passes out and then wakes back up and plugs the earpiece back in and, mm -hmm. and figures out where they are yeah. and goes to save her. It's just so clever. Um, and I love that it started with a real conversation about audio on a movie that he was making. Mm -hmm. And that little nugget just stayed with him all the way through. Um <clears throat> I thought uh, Lithgow was probably the standout for me. Travolta's really good. And I just read this morning uh, when I was prepping that he apparently suffered from insomnia the entire shoot. Really? That that's part of why his character gives such a moody, um, kind of out of it kind of a performance is because he was really exhausted the entire shoot. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like when you say this is De Palma's fuck, this is almost, if you want to say what is De Palma's movie's look like what are De Palma's things just show them this movie mm -hmm. there's a there's a, a three time circle 360 pan in yes. Travolta's office as he's realizing all of his tapes have been erased that's just incredible mm -hmm. it, it, it's like I like to rave about the 360 shot in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yep. with the tank and that's mm -hmm. an incredible shot but that's an action 360 shot mm -hmm. the one in Blowout is an anxiety-inducing 360 shot that's trying to put you in his state of mind as he starts to spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, in hindsight, it feels so obvious mm -hmm. uh, that these techniques that he uses, the split screens are all intentional. There, There's nothing wasted there. Uh, there's even the split screen where 
he's like, the hitman is holding a picture of Nancy Allen, and in the background, on the other side of the screen, is the uh, escalator. Mm-hmm. And then he sees a woman coming down that kind of looks like her, and it's, it's, it's all so very intentional to, to put you in both spots at once. Uh, I just, I feel like you could accidentally watch this movie casually and miss all of the artistry that's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And uh, that's one thing that he likes doing. He, do, he does the split screen. He also does the split diopter where you have everything in focus uh, in the foreground and the background. One of right. the things, if you ever hear De Palma talk about his movies, he's always very, like, I've always thought he might like us in some ways because he nitpicks a lot of, like, things that movies do that he hates. Mm. But the split diopter thing is a really cool uh, thing that he uses that that extreme focus in the front and the back that scene that you're talking about has the split diopter in it yeah um the uh it, it just there's there's something about about the way he shoots those it's just it's just engage so engaging um uh and uh that shot with the he talked about that with the in a in a noah bombach interview he talked about that that rotating camera or whatever and he's like you know, there's a lot of things just like any kind of one shot that you do where people have to hit their cues just right. You know, you're I'm basically above the scene telling people to go where they need to go at the appropriate time. So, you know, like when the camera goes over here, Travolta's coming over and looking at these tapes or whatever, and then it comes back around and, oh, he needs to he needs to do something over here. And then yeah. it comes back around and then the woman says the cops are on the on the on the phone and all that. So. And he's like, you know, those are the things that that can really like <laughs> stress you out as a director, but it, they're so satisfying when they work out, um, everything. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just one of those. It's just one of those. It, it's just a joy all the way through. Um, uh, Nancy Allen uh, apparently, I guess, got panned a bit uh, for her performance in this because she's playing <laughs> that sort of that babe in the woods or whatever uh uh type of role and her voice or whatever and she said in an interview that she wanted to do like a Pennsylvania accent but they uh, De Palma directed her to do something that's like a couple of movies that he had seen or whatever so she ended up doing it. I think it's fine I think it works absolutely perfectly for this for this movie because she's us in a lot of ways yeah. uh in this when she's ever, when she's asking all these questions about what he does and he has to explain it it's it's sort of like for you if you don't know all these different things and there's i mean a lot of like real like technical sound nerd type stuff going on in this yeah. especially when he tries to sync up the sound with Dennis Franz's uh pictures that he cuts out of that magazine and he turns into that film you know he's got to sync up his own audio with that film that he has made and he mm-hmm. like he has to like write on the sound like okay this is where I hear the gunshot and then and then he comes back and he he, he forwards through with the film finds the place where the splash happens and he writes a big S on the thing and he's he's always like toggling it back and forth this is stuff that you don't do in the digital age right you just right. you know this is this is a completely uh, uh, different thing and I loved seeing that old school mentality on this so yeah uh, i feel like i love i love everything he does uh with the sound like when he's re-listening to his audio he holds the pencil 
and moves it and points it exactly the way he did the mic when he was out recording it that first night. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel, I feel so much intentional about this movie. Like, even the flashback, he the flashback, even the story he tells, I guess it is a flashback, about uh, the undercover cop who the mic wire battery, because the cop is sweating, it starts yeah. burning him. And Travolta decides to ruin the mission by running in to save him, and he's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is to set up not only Travolta's obsession with getting it right this time, mm-hmm. but him knowing how to wire her up for the climax yeah. when he's going to send her to meet the the newsman. It's just, it's seamless. It's almost Christopher Nolan-esque in how it's like plotted and, and planned before they even shot a thing. It's interesting to me too. That scene obviously is a big foreshadow for what happens later. And like, but there's at least three images of hanging imagery in this movie. And I'm wondering like what that's all about really. Like, um, that scene with that guy that ends up in a hanging. The, uh, what the second woman that Lithgow kills has a hanging. And then there's the scene where, Travolta crashes into that like American Revolution display, and there's a yeah. guy hanging in there. And I'm and I and and I'm I'm wondering if these are all just like I don't know like I like none like the two the two deaths aren't symbolic in any way. They're just deaths. Like, but that third one could just mean that this is another one's on the way. Possibly, I don't know. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. know what the hanging imagery was all about in this. Uh, it was kind yeah, of interesting that he did that a lot in this. I do think, as somebody who would really love to listen to an owl on a regular basis, he lucked the fuck out just going <laughs> to a park and having a, a frog and an owl yeah. uh, and, and a couple making out. Like, he hit the Foley yeah, lottery with that. He, he really did. He really did. Um, uh, you know, and of course that leads us to, uh, you know, the ending of that movie, ending of this movie, you know, um, I guess if there are people who are on this chat or whatever, who don't want to know how this movie ends, you might want to mute me now, but, um, you know, it doesn't end happily at all. Um, mm-hmm. it ends happily for the director of the, the movie, the schlocky movie. Um, but, uh, you know, Travolta does find where Lithgow is strangling Nancy, Nancy Allen in this. And, uh, and he gets to him, he kills him, but he's too late. And, um, and, uh, and leading to that great shot with the fireworks in the background and everything reminiscent later of that broke back mountain shot where mm-hmm. Heath Ledger beats those two guys up at the 4th of July thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, the, there's that shot. And then, and then very cynically at the very end of this movie, he has decided to use Nancy Allen's scream in the movie, which is an holy shit fucked moment. Up. It's really fucked up. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, it, and it, it sort of, it sort of makes you wonder what this, what this character is that you've been following. He's our hero, but man, he's not above doing this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I, I chose to interpret it. And and I I don't think it sat very well with me, which is mm. why I chose to interpret it my own way. Mm-hmm. That that he just acknowledged we, we're never going to get an authentic scream unless we get it from somebody who's being murdered. Yeah, yeah. And this is the most authentic scream we're ever going to have. Shame right. that I knew this girl and wanted to date her, but I, that it's that's probably too rosy. Um, I think he's probably 
darker on the inside than I want to believe. Yeah, and <laughs> and from what I understand, the original script before they even knew there was going to be a Travolta in this, that he was a darker kind of character. And like Nancy Allen said something because she was married to Brian De Palma during this time. It was like mm. a four year period where they were married. Um, she knew this script before anybody was attached to it, and. And uh, she thought it was somebody like James Woods or somebody like that would have been in this mm. in this role. So a little bit darker. And you got to think also, this is an interesting turn for Travolta because at the time, you know, he he was known for Welcome Back, Cotter. He was in Carrie. Then he blew up with all the Saturday Night Fever stuff and Grease mm. and all that. That blew up, and then he kind of like this is sort of a step down from where his star was at the time. Uh, but it turns out to be one of his best movies, I think. I don't know very many that are close to this, actually, other than Pulp Fiction, maybe. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, it, is, it was supposed to be darker. I think it was a, lot, like, a little less uh, big-budgeted type of movie until he, he got on board. But, uh, hmm. but uh, people love, apparently people love working with Travolta. It's not like he went in and just changed everything or anything. I think it was just the fact that he got cast, uh, you know, is what sort of changed some of the things. So anyway, but yeah, that's, I think that that ending is, is as dark as it gets. <laughs> it's as, as, as a, sure. You don't think about this when you don't, you don't think about this in movies from the eighties, right? This is still kind of a throwback to the seventies, even though we're just a couple years removed from it at that point. Uh, you know, you know, this is not what we would see in the eighties. Eighties started getting a little bit more sunny. They were like, I'm tired of all these endings where like, you know, Travis Bickle see stuff in the rearview mirror and all that, and all that type of stuff. Well, we were seeing in the seventies a lot. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, this is of course, uh, our big recommend. I can't, I, I'm glad, I hope all of you got to see this. Uh, if not go out and see it, it's good. And the criterion has a great disc disc for it too. And it's free on Tubi. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. So are we ready for the double feature? I think we're ready for the double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Now, as soon as you said blowout last week, my brain went conversation. Then mm -hmm. you mentioned the conversation. Right. <clears throat> and I even and said, I, I don't want to take out your double feed right. right away. But that made me realize that the conversation is too on the nose. Mm -hmm. It's too perfect to pick. Mm -hmm. um, so I threw that one out. Um, I could very easily just give you another De Palma from this era, like Body Double or Dress to Kill. Mm -hmm. and I think they would be incredible double features. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to do that either. I saw somebody mention this, and I lingered for a little bit on Enemy of the State. Ooh. Um, but Ooh. I, I do want to keep my double features, for the most part, great movies when I can. And I love Enemy of the State. I like it more than you do, I promise. But mm -hmm. it's not a great movie. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it has a very similar... There's a piece of media that proves something corrupt a government person did. Uh, but instead of somebody trying to prove it, it just ends up being Will Smith on the run. So I threw that one out. <laughs> I thought about Zodiac. Um, because the parallel here would be a normal human getting obsessed with solving a crime. Yeah. Um, I threw that one out. Uh, I'm going to give you one more I threw out, and then I'm going to give you the real thing. I really thought about going with Arlington Road. Yeah, Arlington uh, Road, yeah. And 
similarly, I'm going to go with Arlington Road. All right. I'm changing, I'm changing my mind. I'm going oh. with Arlington Road. Okay. You have somebody who suspects something, can't prove it, nobody believes him, and then it ends with a punch to the gut mm-hmm. because the good guy does not win. All right. Um, and Arlington Road is great, and it's underseen. I'm gonna, I almost, I will now tell you what I was going to do originally was Rear Window. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. But Rear Window will probably be a main recommend at some point on this show anyway, because mm-hmm. you and I both love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to boost Arlington Road. I would do Blowout, Arlington Road. Yeah. Um, everyday heroes who don't win. I'm down. I'm down with that. Um, and and also just as an aside, you know, there's there are obvious uh, connections to the Zapruder film and this. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, JFK conspiracy type stuff uh, is all rampant through this um jfk would obviously be a, a decent uh, uh sort of uh double feature for this but i like that arlington road uh thing a lot um uh yeah uh you know it's uh, this type of stuff is fun man when i think conspiracies are fun in movies i don't think they're fun in the, in real life in real all. life <laughs> uh so um anyway uh yeah that's yeah. a that's a good one i haven't seen arlington road i don't think since it came out but i remember a lot about it yeah and it's you just i don't think the first time through you see that ending coming at all no um, no you do not i like i like evil tim robbins mm-hmm. like like he, whenever he turns heel, it's just I always enjoy his. Mm-hmm. Like in Shawshank, right. Shawshank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next week's big recommend. Here's your homework, everybody. Mm-hmm. Picked by me, Jeremy. It's the Spanish Prisoner. This is a David Mamet film starring Steve Martin and Campbell Scott. Steve Martin is that guy in Only Murders in the Building for all of you young kids out there. <laughs> <laughs> Campbell Scott is that dude who was Spidey's father in the other Spider-Man movie. <laughs> yes, exactly, in the, in the Andrew Garfield movie. Yes. Um, the Spanish Prisoner, just as a brief layout, it's David Mamet, directed and written. This is the guy who made Glengarry Glenn Ross. Um <clears throat> He's a great writer. I love this movie. It's pretty well rated. I think it's like a 7 on IMDb and an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, Campbell Scott plays a guy who works for a big corporation, and Campbell Scott has invented a process. Mm-hmm. And this process is going to make the company billions of MacGuffin dollars. MacGuffin as fuck. <laughs> yes, it is MacGuffin as fuck. He doesn't even try. <laughs> He's almost making fun of you for not knowing what the process is. Mm-hmm. Um and the rest of the movie is basically kind of like a spy movie without government agencies really being the spies. Mm-hmm. And Campbell Scott tries to figure out, he goes to this company retreat, he runs into Steve Martin. Steve Martin is this enigmatic, rich, charming guy. And they decide, you know, he gives him a book to give to his sister. And basically, the rest of the movie is him trying to figure out what's up with Steve Martin and mm. who can he trust? Um, and I'm not going to tell you any more about it. It is mm. free on prime and it is free on Peacock. Mm-hmm. So you have a week if you're alive. Well, no, if you're, whether you're listening now or watching live streaming, you have a week to watch the Spanish prisoner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait to talk about it. It's, it's funny, favorites. man. I, I think it was just this past weekend. I was thinking, there's going to be a point where one of us does the Spanish prisoner. Uh, 
and and sure enough it was this week uh so so yeah uh uh i will be glad to revisit this this is a movie that you recommended to me a long time ago and you gave me the dvd for it and right. I have probably seen this movie now six or seven times, so I'm looking forward to seeing it again, for sure. Yeah, they talk really funny in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, especially Rebecca Pigeon. Um, yes. They talk um, much, like, much like they did in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it uh, seems it's like... It's very intentional. And it also seems like only the people who are in the movie are ever in the movie like there's never anybody else that it's around it's very spare and yeah. like there's no extras or anything for a, at least for a while there's not any extras <clears throat> so like it just feels like you're it, and, and i think that had to have been somewhat intentional because it makes you have this isolation gives you this isolation feel so sure yeah uh, no, anyway yeah looking forward to that for sure all right, so now let's uh, let's get to a couple questions before yeah, we yeah. say bon voyage. Let's do it. Um, question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Who is your favorite key grip? Just kidding. Real question is about directors. Oh, this is in line with what I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of new gen directors out there right now with two to five recent films under their belt, which have all been good or great. This must have I must have subconsciously remembered this question when I was talking earlier. Mm. Who is your bet if they were stocks? on who would end up being a Spielberg or Scorsese of the bunch. And the examples are Jordan Peele, Ryan Coogler, Robert Eggers, Lanthimos, Chazelle, Barry Jenkins, or pick your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so who of these up-and-comers who have been kicking ass earlier in their career do we think has the longevity? Yeah, I, and there, was a, there was a good list there, and I, I think I missed the part about being the next Spielberg or Scorsese, but like... Um, uh, I just thought it was oh somebody who is my favorite out of that group or uh, sure. or someone who was a that's fair. So I ended up with Taika Waititi, even though I haven't seen Love and Thunder yet or whatever. But most of the things that I've seen Taika Waititi do so far has been great. Have been have been right up my alley on almost everything. Jojo Rabbit has been was great. I love Thor Ragnarok and I love that movie Hunt for the Wilder People that he did a few years ago. Uh, what what we do in the shadows is fun. Uh, so um, you know I don't know if we've other than Jojo Rabbit and these other couple of like smaller movies he's done. I don't know if we've seen a Spielberg or Scorsese coming out of that, but we are seeing a new exciting filmmaker, even though he's got a lot of credits under his belt at this point. Um, uh, I think, I think uh, I, I I'm, I'm at this point, I'm intrigued with anything that I see his name on at this point. Yeah. And that's, that's a good way to put it too. Um, and you know, I, I choose, I chose Ryan Coogler. Um, out of this list uh, because I was too lazy to go do research um, for other people. And uh, I've seen four Ryan Coogler movies, um, Creed, Creed Two, Fruitvale Station, and Black Panther, and they mm-hmm. were all A's, A-pluses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of confidence in this guy, and I don't know if you guys have seen the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer. That is I one haven't. of the most confident-looking films I've ever seen. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I believe it is exactly what Ryan Cooler wanted to make. That mm-hmm. that trailer screams, "I know who I am." Mm-hmm. Listen up, yeah. Uh, and I'm geeked about that movie. But interesting question, and uh, I thank you for it. Let's move on to another. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite made for kids, great for adults movie? Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. Uh, I think both Paddingtons fit under this. Yes, uh, yes, this, they do. This, 
the first Paddington is is good, and the pa- the second Paddington is even better. Um, I think I think that's how that goes. Uh, Paddington Two is amazing. Um, but those movies too, like uh, it took it took years after Paddington came out for anyone to tell me like this is really really good. You should watch this. I'm like, really? This movie? Are you serious? Doesn't doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, now I see what they're saying." These movies, I mean, they they, they really are, uh, like special that way, right? Like kids could really enjoy it, but adults can really sink their teeth into them too. So, um, I will correct myself before I give an answer. Coogler did not direct Creed Two. Thank you in the live chat. Yeah, he he was only a producer on it, but uh, he wrote it and produced it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My apologies uh, to the director of Creed Two, who I'm looking it up now, is Stephen Cable Jr. And, uh, of course, uh, Michael B. Jordan is directing Creed Three. Yep, yep. Uh, in his directorial debut. I choose Finding Nemo um, only because yeah. I have long said Finding Nemo is a perfect movie. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a time in my life, this is probably why I feel this way, there was a time in my life where I didn't have cable and I only had a few DVDs. Uh, and Finding Nemo was one of them, and I watched it frequently, and I just can't find a flaw, man. Mm-hmm. I can't find any issues with it at all. It's just beat for beat. It's exactly what it needs to be, um, and I love Pixar. Pixar has always been great at making movies that kids enjoy, but adults enjoy as well, um, but I'll choose Finding Nemo. Let's do one more. Okay. I think we need one more. Yep. If money was no object, what movie car would you most like to own? I think we've done, like, what's your favorite movie car before, but this one is basically a little different, asking us uh, if we were Elon Musk rich, what, right, which right. movie car would we buy? I love these Aston Martins and the old Bond movies, man. I want, I want one of those Aston Martins that he drives around. I want that Aston Martin here in 2020, too i want all of those aston martins he drives those are such cool cars they're so cool yeah and yeah, uh, so yeah i would i would love to have any one of those any 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 I, version i have a real answer and a joke answer um the the batmobile from the batman um, mm. has instantly shot to near the top of my list of movie cars um because it's fucking badass it tears through a huge concrete cylinder on the interstate like it's made of paper mm-hmm. um it sounds like an angry animal when it turns on i want that mm-hmm. car uh but i also wrote uh john voight's chrysler the baron from seinfeld <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> john, john voight the dentist not john voight the actor right 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> all right everybody i think that's going to do it for this week's episode thanks to everybody um keaton's batmobile i forgot to read answers here Keaton's Batmobile is a good answer. Does mm-hmm. the time machine count? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's not a car. You can't buy that. That's that's a time machine. The Mustang from Gone in 60 Seconds, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Going on the um, uh, the good kids' movies for adults, so we had Toy Story, we had Wally, we had Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Animal Crackers came up, Lego Movies, nice. Spider-Verse, Lego Batman. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Ratatouille, Iron Giant, of course. Um yeah, you can't go wrong with any of those. So the mist. <laughs> yes, the mist. Fine family fun. Slab. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, everybody in the chat. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate you and your camaraderie and your support. And, mm-hmm. uh, we hope to see you next week. Remember, your homework is the Spanish Prisoner. It's free mm-hmm. on Prime and Peacock. Yeah. 
All right, guys. We'll see you. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash CinemaSins or CinemaSins Twitter at CinemaSins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at CinemaSins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at CinemaSins.com. I'm good. I just have to remember... um to pay attention where I plug my headphones in. So I spent about an hour troubleshooting everything except that, Mm -hmm. only to find I had plugged my headphones into uh, output number two, which is controlled by a completely separate knob Mm -hmm. for volume. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. now I I know not to make that particular mistake. So no, I, I should be good. Yeah. I should be good. I see the gray man is getting a sequel and a spinoff. Really? Mm-hmm. Now I must be doing well for those guys. Must be, and you know the reviews are pretty middling, but that doesn't matter when it comes to sequels. Um, no. But I saw uh, an interview with the Russos like a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. Hinted that they had hopes that this would be a franchise with uh, like a John Wick kind of thing that could build and have other characters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every review I've read makes it sound like a watered-down version of Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible, Bond, 00, Transformers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> not, not Transformers, but I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. Like those guys. I don't know. I just got a lot of... Uh, I just it, it was funny that you said that yesterday about them... Like, I don't know if they're good outside the Marvel universe and everything. And yeah. I was thinking that same thing, actually, uh, a few days ago. Uh, I was like, what what separates them as directors? Uh, and then, you know, they I haven't seen that 172 Bridges movie that came out a few years ago, whatever that movie was called. Uh, I've seen that movie. And it was it was pretty bland. I've seen mo- most of Cherry, and it was pretty bland. Yeah, it, it seems like all the movies that they've done outside of it have been, eh, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, to be clear, they seem like awesome people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that the internet and social media where you can just walk right up onto a celebrity's doorstop, ha- ha- doorstep has, has made it so that criticizing a movie or a director gets twisted mm-hmm. now to where people assume you're criticizing them as individuals mm-hmm. as people no um which is not the case at all they made the highest grossing movie of all time until avatar decided to be a dick yeah um, yeah and i haven't <laughs> i'm just saying uh well and then as a film fan looking at the the art form itself i'm i'm not sure they work all that well outside of that marvel system yeah it's funny. I mean, this. I don't think this would would be in the main uh, podcast, but I was watching Brian De Palma talk about. Um, I'm talking about movies in the. There's a Noah Baumbach interview that's in the uh, Criterion br- blowout, which I guess that that interview led to Noah Baumbach doing a whole De Palma documentary a few years later. But um, I feel like De Palma. <laughs> would be a fan of cinema sins in a way maybe not all the <laughs> yeah. way not maybe not all the way but 
he's like he's like um he's like talking about how the beginning of this movie he's like you know what what is it a lot of these movies do you know they have a helicopter shot over manhattan and it's like ooh, are we in new york right now Ooh, nice <laughs> and and uh and and or they have a shot like a worthless shot of a car driving over the opening credits or something like that and he goes who who cares about that nobody cares about that that's worthless that's a waste of time and that's and awesome. i'm sitting there thinking god that's exactly what how we would describe it you know and getting back and the the other thing about de palma was that he did he he i've seen a whole video about this where when he did bonfire of the vanities he was like i'm never gonna have some one of those stock footage shots of a plane arriving at an airport nobody can do that well at all like it's it's worthless to me and apparently one of his assistant directors said challenge accepted and made this full-on like magic hour plane landing thing that cost like 250 grand or some shit <laughs> that they put in the movie and uh yeah. <clears throat> there's a whole video about how that shot right there uh was made um that's all awesome. really interesting uh type of stuff how de palma thinks about things but anyway we're gonna get i mean unless tragedy strikes we're gonna get at least one more uh francis ford coppola mm -hmm. we're gonna get at least one more um brian de palma and we're gonna get at least one more john mctiernan mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i'm very excited about that be now, interesting to see if tiernan still has it i mean i don't think he's done anything in a while no well, he had that stint in jail and then mm -hmm. but it's uh he and coppola both uh coppola coppola it's coppola i'll never get it right it's coppola um they have like passion projects that they've been chewing on for a really long time mm -hmm. uh, coppola's already casting yeah i saw that video with him talking about that that movie yeah um I, I'll be curious to see because you know you and I talk about this a lot. How movie making has changed, mm -hmm. and they don't make movies today like they did when De Palma and McTiernan were in their heyday. Mm -hmm. um, and I, my hope is that they, these guys would you know show them how it's done and give us some classic McTiernan angles and some De Palma pans. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but you know what? Will audiences respond to that? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's not not the same world anymore yeah yeah i think they would they just you know they they just probably not going to pick it up in these older movies they you know they're used to ever all the the you know new generations used to the way movies have been made the last 25 to 30 years yeah and uh yeah. they're not going to go go back usually because i'm already i mean i'm already uh in, in that we, we we both acknowledge our oldness um yes there are people who I run into constantly who are like, you know, you'll name a movie that you know is pretty famous. And they're like, what's that? Yeah. And you're like, oh, you don't know about this. Or or they'll have seen something and they're like, oh, I didn't think that was very good. And I'm like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? That's not I'll good? never forget. This was like back when CinemaSense first started. So probably like 2013. I was having a conversation with my buddy's uh, then 14-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And... He told me he didn't like The Matrix, but he loved the two sequels. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my first, like, light bulb moments where I went, wow. Like, every generation sees art 
through its own lens mm-hmm. and and you know i i think they're I just think that's fascinating because I remember telling him to his face, you might be the only person on earth who believes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like the two sequels are awesome and the first one's not good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's probably not. There's probably a lot of people his generation that think that. Think, Oh, the first Matrix is slow and boring. Hollywood 27, I think it was my second stint there. He was like, uh, like I want to make the kind of movies Michael Bay makes. You know, he's my, he's my hero. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you didn't say yeah. that ironically at all. <laughs> Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every Every time you buy gas, use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.